0: Welcome to the Data-Driven Ram, the top data-focused Los Angeles Rams podcast, helping you to win your water cooler conversation. I'll start off the show today with my thoughts, highlight data point of the week, we'll talk with the cuz about the game in London, listen in on preparations for the 2018 game in China, we'll finish by getting you ready for the Panthers game with Coe. So gear up, get ready for the next 20 minutes or so, and I'll get you caught up on your Los Angeles Rams. the debacle by the bay that we'd be sitting at three and four i would have taken that in a heartbeat but it seems deflating to know that we lost three straight what better way to right the ship though than to knock off the defending nfc champs we'll ignore their current record for the moment and get ourselves back on a winning record and hopefully marching towards the playoffs we'll look at that possibility in the highlight data point of the week next segment (laughs) Highlight data point of the week, 9.9%, which according to teamrankings.com is our percentage odds of making the playoffs this year. Our next four opponents have a combined 38% win percentage. If we're going to make the playoffs this year, these next four weeks will be key. To go further into the state of the Rams, we'll talk with the Cuz. <laughs> Joining us this week to break down the fate of the Rams is Cuz Cuz. thanks for joining us.
1: What's up? Thank you for having me.
0: Good, good, good.
1: Okay, the game in London, it started so well. What the hell happened? I think jet lag hit about the end of the first quarter or something like that. I don't know, man. A couple of uh, mental mistakes and you saw the quicksand happen. They hung in there. But at the end of the day, on on the stat sheet, when there's four interceptions, I said it before, I say it again, Anytime you lose the turnover ratio, you're going to lose the game. That's the way it is. That's true. Okay, so there are four interceptions,
0: but do you put those all on case, or
1: do you put those on the receivers or combinations? You know what? I will say Tavon looked a little bit off on some couple... Post-game, even up into this week, him saying that he was a little bit off mentally. He just got to be better, things like that. No, you can't put him all on Case. There was one where right through on hands, another one across the middle that should have been caught, where he just looked like he slowed down. And then the one to Brian Quick, Case just threw it up and the TV was by himself and he caught it like a and <laughs> You can't really put that on Case. What well, I will say is, you know, as a great leader that he is, Case didn't say any of the things that I just said. He said it was all on himself. I got the utmost respect for Case. He's a good dude. But yeah, he did. And,
0: you know, four interceptions but he was putting up fifty three
1: passes. Were you surprised at how many times he ended up throwing the ball? I guess when you hear the word fifty or when you hear fifty three you think of like a big gunslinger and you know, like a Tom Brady day, but kinda of, I'm surprised by it, but I don't know, man. It was working there for a sec, especially when the run game isn't too hot and your offensive line is kinda sucking yeah 53 that was good and I think he was even shocked he's like damn at the end of it I didn't know I threw 53 times wow yeah okay well as part of that I mean do you feel like the team abandoned the run too early yes and no I mean you have to go with what's working and you know I mean down to distance plays a huge factor into that but you know if you have a second and four when you usually give it to the running back to gash some yards and then you get a holding penalty it's 10 yards back or 5 yards back or whatever it is, now that second and four is a second and nine, and now you have to pass the ball. So, I mean, they had 19 third downs, and rarely do you run the ball on the third down. I mean, the week before they had nine third downs, and then against the Giants they had 19. So, yeah, man, I think he's almost put in situations where they had to throw the ball.
0: Yeah, okay. And Well, as part of that, and kind of on a positive side, we have seen... You know, the rise of Kenny Britt this year, Brian Quick, obviously. But also, somebody's a little bit unheralded, Lance Kendricks, quietly on pace for a 60-catch
1: season. Has his play surprised you? Kendricks has been doing a great job. And, you know, it seems like he's just filling the role that the Rams need him to at this moment in time. It's like whatever formula the Rams have going, if he fills in the good spot and gets a catch and gets down down the field, that works out for the Rams. Everyone wins. 60 catches. Wow. It's a pretty good year. I know Kenny Britt on his way to like a 1,300 yard season if he keeps it up.
0: Yeah. He's looking pretty good. And I think he fell off a little bit off the pace with the Giants game. But yeah, I mean, he's still looking pretty strong. Okay. And speaking of strong performances, that defensive performance amazing. Only 232 yards left game but kind of squandered a little bit by the offensive turnovers. Could you talk a little bit about how well the defense played and then a lot about how uncomfortable that long flight home must have been?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. um, I mean, as usual, defense killed it. When you're holding OBJ to under 50 yards when the week prior he balled out, I mean, what more could you ask for, especially with true out? I mean, the DBs played well, the pressure on – Eli was great. Uh, they have no run game, so making Eli uh, put some pressure on him and making him throw the ball while keeping everything in front of us. I mean, I would imagine that that's the way the D coordinator drew it up, and that's how they executed it. <laughs> the long flight home, yeah, man, it's frustrating. Week in and week out, these guys put their all into the game, and then to have a performance like that on the defensive end, and you execute, and then you look on the offensive side. There's not much more that the defense could do. Yeah, that's very true. Doubt defensive performance, and, of course,
0: holding not only Odell under 50, but also Eli, who's had a pretty good year, under 200. What made him so effective against the Giants' potent
1: pass offense? Uh, Like I said, I think getting the pressure on him and playing sound defense, playing fundamental good football, keeping everything in front of him. Uh, There was a missed tackle for, I think, the longest catch of the game by Cruz. You know, he wasn't playing outside leverage. I think overall, just the defense, we had some injuries, people stepped up, and I think their soundness as a unit is what was so good against the Giants offense, especially not letting them get any balls down the field. I think that's execution at its finest. Yeah,
0: so a pretty good pass defense, obviously, but still a run defense. Only 36 yards allowed by the Rams defense. Could you talk to me a little bit about how
1: improved
0: the run defense is this year? and particularly the the domination against
1: the Giants? It's the NFL, and pretty much everyone has a good front seven, but we have a spectacular front seven, and our D-line crushes it. On the Giants' end, they really don't have a run game. Uh, They're not known for their run game, things like that. So I think our linebackers are a solid core of our defense. I think the D-line is what really creates excitement up front and puts pressure on the quarterback. And that allows the DBs to make plays or keep the offense in front of them. Because we saw it early on. Lots of passes down the field, things like that. So I think as the unit has learned from their mistakes, molded together, I think they found their identity as being a pretty stout defense. Very nice. Okay, so Will
0: Reeve from the Rams Wire says that Jeff Fisher may be gone in a month. Do you think there's any
1: merit to the rumor? <laughs> no. I think Jeff Fisher has a pretty solid I think it's, he's pretty safe. That first game against SF doesn't really count because they came back, they won three, and then they lost three. But before, like I'll say it again, all the traveling they did to be in the position that they're at with the young team, they're doing just fine. I think if they lose the next nine games, yeah, he might be up for grabs or less need, but I think as of right now, he's, he's doing just fine. Who's your bad motherfucker of the week? Bad motherfucker of the week. I'm going to give it to the corners, because then you got OBJ on the other side of the field, y'all had uh, corners and safeties. I'll give it to the DBs. I play DB. I know the pressure that it could be. You have the best receiver in the league on the other side. Not that I was in the NFL, but, you know, high school level. <laughs> I'll just give it to them. I think holding them to the numbers that they did, the corners and safeties stepped up. Well, to be fair, you went to a pretty good high school.
0: Okay. So for prediction time, tell me. Who's going to be our next
1: president? <laughs> uh, it might be Trump. And I think it's going to be Trump. If it's Hillary, Trump's not going to allow it because he thinks it's rigged. It's going to be an exciting next Tuesday, for sure.
0: Yeah. Yikes. Okay. Well, on to more important matters, predictions for
1: the game next week. Next week, the, I mean, the Panthers are coming in hot. I mean, I think found a little rhythm. I think the Rams are healthy. I think they're refreshed. I think they're going to be sharp. I think the Rams are going to win. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. If the passing game gets going, if the passing game gets going, I'll say it again, if the passing game gets going, it's going to be a tough one. I think because the defense of the Panthers is so good, their front seven, that they're going to be blitzing a lot. I mean, they got eight sacks last week against the Cardinals, and that kind of boosts their confidence. They're going to try and get after case, and what I think that's going to force them to do, is use his feet, make plays down the field passing, but also, if someone's blitzing straight at you, that's going to open up lanes for Gurley to run right past them. So I think it's going to be an exciting game. We'll see, man. Yeah, I think the Rams are going to be in it to win it.
0: Okay, very good. I like the optimism. Lord knows this country needs it. Okay, <laughs> thanks, guys. All right, The following voicemail is dated 2018 and was given to the data-driven RAM by a time traveler. The voice is consistent with what appears to be future President Trump, given to Stan Kroenke prior to the RAM's NFL home game in China. Stan, listen. President Trump here. Listen, I want to let you know that loser President of China, Xi, is not to be trusted. I've sent over a good friend the best friend, President Putin, to help you out, make sure there's no funny stuff. Also, while you're there, you'll be supported by our top fleet, and our top ships, the best, the absolute best, the USS Trump, and all the Trump-class ships, including the USS Donald, the USS Donald Jr., the USS Eric, and the USS Ivanka, which is the sexiest ship I've ever laid eyes on. I'd like to board that ship, if you know what I mean. So go to China, have fun, it'll be a great game, the best, President Xi of China, let me tell you, great guy, good guy to know, there's going to be a lot of business to be had, great guy, he's going to help you make lots of money, I love that guy, President G. great guy. I want you to be careful though, I've heard, people are telling me, I'm hearing things, That President Putin will be there. And let me tell you, that is one bad hombre. He is not to be trusted. While you're there, like I said, you'll be supported by the USS Trump and all the Trump class ships. And I've told people, I've always told people, the USS Trump ships are junk. They're the worst in the Navy. They're horrible. They're not up to par. We need to redo them and not level that they should be at, except the USS Ivanka. I'd take that thing port side, if you know what I mean. Okay, well, like I've said, enjoy your trip. And President G, don't know about that guy. I'd like to smack him one, I tell you. I might drop a bomb or two after you leave. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I don't want to give it away. President Putin will be there. He's great. He is the best. He really is. And by the way... You will be supported by the finest ships in all the fleet of the U.S. Navy. The USS Trump ships. How about that, huh? Pretty good, huh? Especially the USS Ivanka. I'd like to come on that ship, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Okay, bye-bye, my sweet angel, and be safe. (laughs) ready for the Panthers game today is Kof. Kof, thanks for joining us.
2: Hey, big D. It's good to hear from you, my man.
0: Good to hear from you, too. So just for the audience benefit, uh, Kof and I go back, gosh, five years now. We knew each other uh, when we used to live in France, and but now we're back in the States, and we're both football fans. I knew, gosh, that uh, you were a fan of the Panthers at one time, but you know what? Could you tell the audience a little bit about your relationship with the Panthers?
2: Certainly, certainly. Uh, If I have my pantheon of favorite teams, I I would say the Panthers are definitely up in my top echelon. Generally, I mean, a lot of people know me as a Cowboy fan, but I really do enjoy watching the Panthers. Um, I really like the way that I've seen Cam progress over the years, and and I'm sure we'll we'll talk a little bit more about Cam and the team.
0: Yeah, we're certainly going to touch on Cam, but... Really, looking at the team, two and five, this is not the season that we thought was going to come from the defending NFC champs.
2: What's gone wrong? The funny thing is, we all watched that first game. We saw a defense that looked, you know, as tough as it did last year, but... One of the things that over the last couple of weeks that I've really noticed is that they're just not getting the turnovers that they used to get last year. And I think, you know, Riviera, he's he's from that whole Lovey Smith, Tony Dungy, Rod Marinelli sort of line of uh, defensive coordinators. They really pride themselves on getting turnovers. I mean, this year, I think so far they're, what, minus seven with the turnover ratio, which is not good. You know, you can't really extrapolate it because you never know. Maybe they go bombs out and... And do well for the rest of the year last season they were looking at a plus 20 so that means they were creating a whole lot of oh, wow, And even wow. the year before that they ended with a plus three and we all know what 2014 they didn't have the best year but they really turned it around and you know we kind of saw that coming into 2015 they would have been quite dangerous and you know you know from from most fans standpoint we would have thought the same thing for this year so I mean well, that's one thing we just got to keep watching out and you know, hopefully if Cam can return back to his M V P looking ways, um I I think I, I still think this team can a team to watch for. I, I love Atlanta's offense but I, I don't I don't believe in them. Um I don't think so the Saints are a mentally tough team. The Bucks they're, they're just too green, so I, I still think, you know, if we look at this from a big big picture we kind of uh, look at the season. It's 16 games. You know, we're not even halfway yet. I, I still think they can make some noise. I, I, I can see them uh, making a, a nice run. Maybe you know, five, five or six games one straight. So, we'll see. It's, it's all about Cam, and if the defense can create some turnovers, that's that's how I'm looking at it.
0: Certainly, the offense is not the problem. They're fourth in points. They're seventh in total yards. What makes them so effective?
2: Oh man. Uh, they're almost like a video game. I mean it's like uh, if you're playing Madden, why wouldn't you want this offense? You have a six five beast who can fling it down the field with ease. <laughs> um he, he he runs like a a running back. I mean it's like what uh, what was that what was that big scary dude back back in the day? Like Christian Okoye, I mean that he he just bowls people over when Cam runs and then of course you've got a very competent run game. Stewart once he if he's healthy He's, he's definitely going to pick you up a couple of touchdowns. Oh, once he gets the ball, it's four yards of pop. So I mean, it, it simplifies the offense a lot for Cam that, all right, creating a lot of third and shorts. And then also you got to look at their wide receivers. I mean, Kevin Benjamin is, you know, he's huge too. We don't. It's not like we have six five corners running around in the league. And then you've got um, Olson, who only gets at least eighty receptions a year. So they've, they've got a lot of weapons. I mean, they're fun to watch. They really are. That they've, they've got to just step it up on defense, my man.
0: I saw an article this week from The Guardian about Cam Newton, and he was saying he wasn't getting the protection that other quarterbacks were getting from the league. Do you think that his criticism of the league not protecting him
2: is fair? I mean, when you look at the numbers, he does have a point. He definitely does. But, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit always conflicted about this sort of thing because I am also a Cowboy fan, and Romo gets absolutely nothing. At some point, I I think what we're seeing with Cam is that he almost has like a little Tom Brady effect in that I think a lot of defenders generally don't like Cam. You know, if they could take off his head, they would love to. I, I mean, you saw that hit. Head to head in that one game where he was completely woozy. I mean, that should have been, that guy yeah. should have been ejected, but nothing happened to that defender. And so a lot of times, I think it's like, um, a lot of these defenders, they, it's kind of like, oh, I'd, I have a dream just to see if I can knock out Cam. And so for me, I think he might have to be a little bit smarter, you know, and, you know, protect his body a little bit more if he can because you can petition and whatnot, but how do they officiate those sort of things? So it, it's, it's a thin line, but I, I do agree. Um, Cam is taking some hits that are completely uncalled for, but but I hope he gets a little bit smarter. He does a lot of things with absolutely no regard for his body at times, and so we're (laughs) just hoping that he takes care of himself a little bit more.
0: On to the defensive side. The Panthers are 26th in the league in points allowed, and I know you talked about uh, lack of turnovers, but is there anything else, and what do you attribute overall to their poor defensive
2: record? See, one of the things that the The Panthers are doing a lot more this year than they've done previously. And like I was saying earlier, this is sort of from like Tony Dunn's coaching line. At least on defense, they they normally like to just rush four people. And they haven't been getting some of the pressures that they got in the past. Yeah, their sack numbers are pretty strong, but they're not pressuring and getting as many QB hurries as they got in the past. And because of that they're having to blitz five, sometimes six people. We all know they gave up a, a very talented cornerback and they also lost a, a very talented safety in Roman Harper that a lot of people don't talk about. So what happens when they're making, doing this uh, more aggressive blitzing scheme is now you, you don't have a lot of the cover on some of these green and young cornerbacks that they have. And so, you know, like you saw with Julio Jones, I mean, they've moved Julio Jones all over the place. Basically, they were trying to isolate these young cornerbacks, this young this young secondary. And because, you know, the Panthers had to put pressure on Matt Ryan, they have to blitz. And so you're leaving these guys open to guys like Julio Jones to just completely eat up, you know? I mean, and we all saw that. You got 300 yards? Man, you ate him for breakfast. And so that's some of the things that, that have just been continuing to happen. But... We'll see, you know, if uh, we all know cornerback isn't the easiest position to learn coming out of college, especially if you didn't really understand zone concepts that well. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I have faith in Rivera as a defensive mind. I think um, as we go along with the season, they'll they'll figure out ways in which to protect their young guys, and and hopefully that pass rush um, solidifies a little bit so they don't have to keep on sending extra men and they had to, but um, that's been one of the big things there that they lost. They lost the um, they lost the talent, and then the fact that they're they're not able to bring as much pressure with four guys as they were last year and the year before.
0: Okay, very well done. All right, on to your most hated player, either on the Panthers or
2: elsewhere in the league. For me, let's focus on the Panthers. This funchie okay. guy. He reminds me of nearly every hyped <laughs> up Michigan University wide receiver. You know they're big. Uh when they get into the league they should be able to catch It's like they don't know how to run any routes. It doesn't make sense, you know? You're looking at uh, Braylon Edwards. He had no hands, but he could have been extremely talented. And so, uh, you know, you you just got to hope that a guy like who's who should be a nightmare from a matchup standpoint, he's got speed, he's got size, but he doesn't seem to win those one-on-ones. And, uh, you know, when we were talking about some of the other weapons that the Panthers have on offense, you're kind of hoping that a guy like him can, can make the defenses pay and he isn't yet and so for me i, I chalk it up to another bum michigan wide receiver yeah i said it. <laughs> <laughs> any shout outs this week oh yeah of course the uh, you know we got a shout, shout out to the uh the leon fam you know if they ever decide to listen to some riveting conversations about NFL football. They probably don't understand it, but still, you know, we've got a lot of love for them. You know what a lot of people don't know about D? In my book, D easily top five conversationalist I've ever met. This guy, excellent. Well, Well, I'm speechless.
0: (laughs) To finish off, what are your predictions for the game this week?
2: Ah, my predictions are (sighs) – I, you know, I do like the Rams. I, I think Gurley will make it um, a little bit more difficult for the Panthers. I think Gurley might open up um, the play action for the Rams, but I look at the case of Keenum. I just, I, I'm not a believer in the guy. I think what we're going to see is a lot of bend and, and, and don't break defenses. So I think because I see the offense of the Rams, I mean of the Panthers to be a little bit more talented than the Rams, because of that, I see the Panthers taking it. Uh, I'm going with not a a high shootout, but I think he'll be in the 20s. So I'm thinking 24-20, giving it to the Panthers. Also, I want to give a shout-out to Cuz, and uh, I hope Tony Romo will uh, stop kissing his girlfriend. (laughs) Very well
0: done, and thank you very much, Kof, for coming in. Definitely. Enjoy yourself, D. Don't get in trouble. Stop doing that crazy stuff you used to do. That was Kof, and look for him on future episodes. for breaking down the Giants game for us. And thank you, Kof, for getting us ready for the Panthers game. If you have any questions, you can contact me at datadrivenram at gmail.com, all one word.